0: This week, in Psalm 55, David is going to kind of reach the epitome of difficult people to deal with. There's very few things in this world that will hurt us as much as the betrayal of a friend. And especially when it comes to from our best friend or someone we thought was our best friend. And one of the things that I often hear when I invite people to church is stories of how people in church hurt them. They, they, you know, when you talk to them, they're they, they expect to be hurt by people who don't know God. That, it's not like they're thin-skinned people. They understand, hey, when I go out into the world, um, I, I'm going to get hurt. But it, it, it shocks them. And when that betrayal comes from someone who claims to know God, it could be devastating. And this morning, that, that is what we are dealing with in this text. In Psalm 55, in this psalm, we, we will see David's response to betrayal by a close friend. And David's response in this psalm may surprise some of you um, because David doesn't hold back his feelings in this psalm, as you've already heard this morning. That the suffering that David is dealing with is matched by the anguish in his prayer. And if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you kind of three headings for your notes to kind of be able to follow along with us in this text this morning. One, we're going to see David express his suffering to God in verses one through eight. And then the second section is David expressing his concern for justice in verses nine through 15. And then finally, We're going to look at David expressing his trust in God in verses 16 through 23. But before I go into our psalm, I need to give you a little bit of background about this psalm. And the background of this psalm most likely comes from 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. And I would encourage you, I'm going to... Give you a summary, and I'm going to focus in on a few verses. But in your Bible study this week or in your Bible reading time this week, I would encourage you to go back and read 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. And this is during the time that Absalom, David's son, stages a coup to take over the kingdom and make himself the king. Now, Absalom waged a four year whisper campaign. At the gates of Israel. You know what a whisper campaign is? It's it's not where you go out and say, hey, I don't think David's a great king. I think I'd be a great king. It's where you start talking to people and saying, you know, if I was king, this is what I would do. Can you believe the decision David made? That's weird, right? Well, I'd sure do that differently if it was me. That's that's what we call a whisper campaign. You're not shouting it out to everyone to hear, but you find the key people in the society. And what he did was he sat himself at the gate of the city, and when people would come in to get a judgment, he would lie to them and tell them that there was no judge to hear their case. But if I were king, there would be. I would make sure you were always served. Served. Right? So four years, Absalom has this little whisper campaign. Now, some of you have been around church a long time. You've seen, maybe been a part of or experienced whisper campaigns, right? Nobody stands up and says, Hey, I don't think the pastor is doing a great job, but there's a, there's a, there's a question, Right? And that's what is happening here in the kingdom. He's trying to convince the people that he would be a better king than David. And after four years of lying and deceiving, he had convinced many to follow him. And then in secret, he sent for one of David's closest counselors. This guy, when he gave you advice, you followed it. And his name, it's a fun name. You can show off to all your friends this week. When they ask you what the sermon is about, you tell them it's about Ahithophel. Right? That's a fun name. Ahithophel. He was David's close counselor and friend. With with Ahithophel on his side, the conspiracy grew even stronger. And when David got word of what was going on, he feared that if he stayed... Absalom would bring bloodshed into the city and innocent people would get hurt or killed in the coup attempt. So Absalom had gone out of the city, rallied some support, and was coming back into the city. And David, being a king who feared for the lives of his people more than himself, said, you know what? Rather than making this some bloody contest where lots of innocent people are going to die when I'm the real target. Me and my family, we're going to leave. And so that's what he does. He empties out the palace and they leave and they exit out of the city. And so David and his friends and family fled the city. And we read about that in Second Samuel 15, 30 through 31. And we'll put this up on the screen for you. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot with his head covered, and all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up weeping as they went. And it was told to David that Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, "O oh Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel." Into foolishness. Shortly after this, one of David's other counselors came to join him. Uh, his name was Hoshi, and, and David sent him back into the city to serve Absalom in hopes that his counsel would defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. And the reason why David was so worried about Ahithophel can be found in chapter 16, verse 23. Listen to what it says about this guy's advice. Now, in those days, the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. Right? So when this guy spoke, everyone listened. And this is why you see David praying please make his advice like foolishness because David knows that if Absalom listens to Ahithophel, he's in trouble because this guy knows what he's doing. And the advice that he gives is sound. Now, when Absalom returned to the city and set himself up as king, he called for his counselors. And first he asked Ahithophel, how should we handle David? Right? I'm I'm now in the palace. This was a pretty smooth transition as far as coups go. No lives lost. I'm now sitting here. But we got one little detail we need to do away with. We got one little problem. One little thorn in our side. We need to get out of the picture. How Ahithophel should we do that? And his advice is as follows. Take a large group at night and come upon David when he was weary. And then Ahithophel said, I will strike the king alone. And when I do that, all the people will flee. So Ahithophel's advice is the very first night that Absalom is there. Let me take a group of men Pursue David into the wilderness and while he is weary, while he is upset, while he is weeping and crying, I will go in as a friend and I will personally kill him. And then when I do that, all the people with him will scatter. It will be clean. Not a lot of mess. One person has to die. That's it. But then Absalom calls. Hoshai in to give his advice and his advice was quite different. He advised Absalom to gather the nation and its fighting forces. He, he reminded Absalom of what a mighty warrior David was and what a cunning man in battle he was. And, and he said, listen, this plan of Ahithophel's doesn't take into account how angry David is right now. Ahithophel sees him as this weeping Sad little man who's crying in the mountains. Surely he's not like that. He's a warrior. He's cunning. He's planning. He's probably already separated himself from the people so that as soon as Ahithophel comes into the camp and starts killing people, David will hear and then come in and wreak havoc in battle. So what we need to do is we need to take a beat. We need to slow down. We need to gather our forces. Men from every tribe that can fight. And then Absalom, this doesn't need to be Ahithophel's battle. This needs to be your battle. If you're going to be the king, everybody needs to see you as the king. And they need to see you leading them in to this battle. Now, I want to point out. If they would have followed Ahithophel's advice, this story would have went a lot differently. Because David wasn't angry, cunning, ready to fight. Right? We just read David was weeping. And everyone with him was weeping. And they were weary from this ascent of the Mount of Olives. So if they would have paid attention, if Absalom would have listened, but David prayed for God to overcome the wisdom. Notice he still had the wisdom. God didn't change the wisdom that he had. But God overcame it. by allowing Absalom, he, he used Hoshai's advice to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel just as David had hoped. And we know that from chapter 17, verse 4. One interesting note about this story is how it ended for Ahithophel. Read with me what it says in chapter 17, verse 23. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and he hanged himself and he died. And was buried in the tomb of his father. Hithophel, Ahithophel knew his advice so well <laughs> that once it wasn't followed, he knew the outcome. And for him, this was the best scenario of all possible outcomes. Now, keep that little detail in the back of your mind, and I'm going to come back to it. Back to it at the end of the sermon. of of why I think that detail of him hanging himself is so important. Okay, now, with with all that going on, with all that in the back of your mind, you're you're entering into David's world as he's writing Psalm 55. Let's take a closer look at these three sections of this psalm. And just as a reminder, express your suffering to God, verses 1 through 8. Express your concern for justice and express your trust in God, verses 16 through 23. First up, express your suffering to God. We read, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea and mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. And they drop trouble upon me and in anger, they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish. Within me, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and tempest. We see in this section of this psalm that it is important for us. So important for us. To be honest with God. One of the things that I, I, I find in, in talking to people about prayer. Is they feel as though they have to dress up their words. And they have to dress up their feelings. To talk to their heavenly father. Well I have to put on a good face. I have to act like I'm okay. No friend. That is not how you pray. It is important that you are honest with your heavenly father. Ask God as David does to pay attention to you, right? That's what David's doing. He's like, hey, over here, don't forget about me. David is using every Hebrew word he can think of to get God's attention. He uses four different Hebrew words in this first two verses alone. Give ear. In other words, listen to my prayer, not hide from him. Don't ignore me. Attend to him. Give him his full attention and do what is requested. Hear or answer him in verse two. Give him a response or a reply. It's okay for you to be honest with God when you find yourselves in these situations I fear one of the reasons why so many people struggle in their prayer life is because they're trying to pray these elegant, fancy prayers that impress God instead of just being honest with God. He is omnipotent. It's a big fancy word that means he knows everything. You're not hiding it from him, right? Sometimes people come to church and they're like, Oh, let me put on a good face and nobody will know that I'm suffering. God's not like that. He knows you're suffering. And what makes God, it, 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 it is one of those things in life that when we are not honest with him, that, that we find that suffering continues. Be honest with your savior. Be honest with your heavenly father this morning. Second, it's okay to tell God your desire to escape the situation. That's okay too. Right? David is being very honest here. He's being very transported or or transparent. It's important for us to realize this morning In, in times of severe trials and testing, we should not try to repress our emotions, in fact, we should never allow the pressure of our circumstances, our troubles in life to continually build up inside of us. Guys, that, that, there are several reasons for this, not the least of which is it's unhealthy. You, you let all of that stress build up in you. This is why you have heart attacks. This is why you have strokes, because your blood pressure is off the chart. Because you're not honest with your savior. You're not letting him in to your life and to your world. You're thinking, I need to carry all of this. And it is so unhealthy. It's also unhealthy for us emotionally. We find ourselves snapping at the wrong people. Instead of the right people, the people that are actually making us angry, instead we're snapping at our wives or our husbands or our close friends or our children when it really has nothing to do with them. And that, that damages us relationally. Instead, we should immediately seek the Lord's face and be honest about how we are feeling. We should pour out our hearts to God. Perhaps the greatest lesson that we can learn from all of the Psalms is that we have the liberty to pour out our troubled hearts at the throne of God. As you look at all of the Psalms, you see a complete range of emotions reminding us that no matter what we are feeling, we can take those to God. Hebrews 4 14 through 16 reminds us, since then we have a high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And we're going to see a little bit more about that in just a minute. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy And find grace to help in a time of need. We also see a new desire from David that we have not seen in the Psalms up until this point. And that's a desire of David to escape the situation. This is the first time the brave warrior is just wanting to check out. He just wants to escape. Again, it's essential to see that even this desire can be brought to our Lord, second, we will always have to, to battle the temptation to flee from our problems instead of addressing them this this is something that every single human being is going to face if you 've not already faced it a million times it 's the desire to flee from our battles for some of us, the desire to escape began in our childhood, and we express that desire by Running away from home. But as we grow older and we make our own decisions, the temptation to, um, to flee can become even more powerful. Consider the following examples that, that one theologian had. Students who drop out of school when things get tough. Husbands or wives who choose divorce to escape tough or difficult marriages. Parents who grow tired of their responsibilities and desert their families. Pastors who forsake God's call for an easier job. Men and women who jump from job to job because they get restless. Church members who move from church to church when they get dissatisfied. Of course, the most tragic example of all is the people who are so overwhelmed by their problems that they choose to take. Their own lives. And whether or not you realize this. We are in the midst of an epidemic. Of suicide right now. Even with all of the. Technology and drugs. That we have to save people. We are still experiencing. One of the greatest levels of suicide. Human society has ever. Faced. God has called us has not called us to escape but to endure every one of you here this morning who is a believer that that is what god has called us to it, it's not to escape it's not to leave here it's not to get away from here it's not i'm tired of living i'm tired of the world i'm tired of all this stuff i just want to leave god has called us to endure as the Bible teacher Warren Wearsby said, we don't need wings like a dove so we can fly away from the storm. We need wings like an eagle so we can fly above the storm. One of my life verses in ministry is one I would commend to you for memorizing. "Is Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up that that's a call to endurance not escape be careful believer if you're walking around constantly just saying i'm ready to hit the eject button that's not what god has called us to he's called us to endure not escape but then in verses 9 through 15 david's mood changes and he now erupts in righteous Anger at his friends now turned enemies. In addition to betraying him, Absalom and Ahithophel were wrecking havoc throughout Jerusalem. And David prayed against their plans and plots and calls upon God to bring them justice. We see this in verses 9 through 15 when he says, Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. For I see violence and strife in the city day and night. They go around it on its walls and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst oppression and fraud. Do not depart from its marketplace for it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolent with me. Then I could hide from it. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Here we see David pray for God to confuse and frustrate the plans of the wicked, and he asks God to execute judgment and justice on his enemies. And there's probably no better passage, no better uh, verses for you if you're here this morning and you are suffering from church hurt. And, and maybe the reason why you. Don't commit to a church. Maybe the reason why you hop around from church to church is because you've been hurt. And, and like David, it was by a, an equal, a, compa- a companion, a familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. In other words, they went to church together. And in our context, that's what David is saying is we spent time as a family in the family of God together. And like David, because we are made in God's image, it's okay that we get righteously angry at the things that make God angry. Like we see David do here. We just need to watch ourselves so that our anger doesn't fall into sin. And for us, that that is a difficult thing for us to do. It It is hard to be consistently righteously angry without falling into sin. But notice, though, instead of continuing to focus on what his enemies might do to him, David instead calls on God. As David prayed, God assured him that he would protect him from evildoers. David then expressed his confidence in God, that he would save him and sustain him and deal with his enemies. And this brings me to the psalm's final point. Express your trust in God in verses 16 through 23. He says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan and I hear my voice. Sometimes I hear people say, is it okay to complain to God about my situation? Was okay for David. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. David ends this section with some advice to the reader. There's a shift there at the end. I don't know if you notice that in verse 22. David's now shifted from talking about himself and praying for himself and advising us in how we should Take this psalm and how we should apply this psalm. And David's advice is to cast our burdens on the Lord. The word David uses here for cast in Hebrew is also the same word used for breaking chains that hold a person captive. So the picture we have is that when a person holds on to their burdens... It's like being wrapped in chains. And these chains keep us in bondage of worry and fear and anxiety. But when we cast our burdens on the Lord, we break those chains of bondage. And we're able to live free, to live in the peace that comes from a life of faith in God. God never designed us. To carry all of these burdens. From the very beginning. He he designed us to be dependent upon him. That's why when we try to hold on to those things. It's like being wrapped in chains. Over and over and over in scripture. It encourages us to do what? Hand our burdens over to him. To let God bear them for us. This, however, requires that you trust God with them. I talk to a lot of people. And I say, hey, have you, have you prayed and asked God to, to take that burden? And they're like, yeah, I did. But then I got it back the next day. So you didn't trust God. With that burden, you felt you needed to wrap yourself back up in those chains again, right? It, it requires us having enough trust in God with our troubles and our concerns to be able to fully give them to him. The more we can trust him with our problems, the more you will start to see your worry and anxiety diminish, and the more you will experience the peace that passes understanding, right? We've all had that experience. We've all seen people in the midst of some crazy circumstance. And yet, oddly, they are okay. They're, they're experiencing that peace because they've handed that burden. No, over. They know, I can't carry this. I can't deal with this. I have to give it over to the Lord. But what makes this possible? Well, remember that little detail in Ahithophel's life that I told you to remember earlier? Nod your head if you remember what it was. Okay, most of you do. Good. That little little detail points to the answer of how this peace is possible. You see, like David, the son of David, we read about in Matthew he was also betrayed by a close friend. In Matthew twenty-six fourteen through 16, we read, Then one of the twelve, in other words, one of the twelve disciples, the, the closest friends and confidants that Jesus had, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he saw an opportunity to betray him. So first, like Jesus, David, or excuse me, David, like David, Jesus is betrayed by one of his friends. Second, I want you to notice where Jesus went after Judas agrees to betray him. Matthew 26, 36 through 38. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over here and pray and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Sound, sound familiar? Sound, sound like David weeping as he went? Then he said to, to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Now, you might not know this, just reading through this, but Gethsemane, is a garden at the foot of the Mount of Olives. Jesus has gone to the same place that David went when Absalom attempted his coup, his takeover, his betrayal. And there David was weeping, and here we find our Savior, Jesus, weeping and sorrowful. Third, notice the way in which Judas goes about capturing Jesus. If you pay close attention, you see it's modeled on Ahithophel's advice for capturing David. Let me remind you of his plan. Take a large group at night and come upon David when he was weary. He would strike alone and all the people would flee. And what Ahithophel counseled, Judas does. He takes a large group of soldiers at night. And he comes upon Jesus when he is troubled and his disciples are weary. Right? They're falling asleep. And the shepherd alone is struck by a kiss on the cheek. And all the people with him flee as you see in Matthew 26, 47, 31, 45, uh, 31, and 56. Fourth, notice how things worked out for both betrayers. In Matthew 27, 5, and throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. Judas met his end the same way Ahithophel did. Now look back at verse fifteen of Psalm fifty-five. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. E- each week as I'm meditating on these passages, I'm that that stood out to me, and, and I just I, I just kept rolling around and 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 you know I I didn't get a lot of good answers about that as I was reading and researching, um, going down to Sheol. Alive. And it it perplexed me. But when I made the connection between Judas and Ahithophel, I think it started to make sense. You see, for most of us, the moment of death comes as a surprise. Whether it's a heart attack, a stroke, car accident, we're shocked. But death is not a surprise for those that kill themselves. They go into death alive, knowing full well what is about to happen. Finally, I want you to see one last similarity between David and Jesus in this psalm. As I mentioned before, this is the first time that David wants to escape from his situation. And notice Jesus' words in Matthew 26 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus going to the cross after this made peace with God possible for us this morning. And this passage reminds us that we have a savior that understands how we feel even when we just want to escape. But this passage also reminds us that God has not called us to escape, but to endure. And Jesus endured the crucifixion and the Lord raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. Likewise, if we endure, God is faithful to deliver us from death to eternal life. This morning, do you know this Jesus? Have you you experienced his peace that he offers? If not, what is stopping you? And for those of you who, who do know Jesus, do you spend most of your time wanting to escape this life? Escape the situation that you're in, or do you... Faithfully endure it as Jesus did. God has not called us to escape, but to endure this morning, no matter what you are going through, I want to encourage you. Do not give up. I don't care how bad it is. If you need somebody to talk to, come and talk to me. Come and talk to your small group leader. Come and talk to anybody, but don't give up. Cast your burdens on the Lord. He is faithful to carry them for you. To remove all of those chains that you have been carrying around. And listen, there there is such a sweet release When we finally let go of those chains. I see this week in and out when I talk to people and they say things like this. They say, Dale, I've never told anyone this, what I'm about to tell you. And whatever it is, they say it. Because I've assured them I've heard worse. (laughs) And and they say it and then it, it, it just physically looks like a weight has been lifted off of them when they know that God is faithful to forgive them for whatever that thought was, for whatever that action was. It's just like a sweet release. That's the beauty of confession and repentance. And that's why I say confession and repentance should never lead us to depression. Depression. Because when we're really confessing and we're really repenting, when we're really handing stuff over to God, it should lead us to celebration and exaltation because of how good He is and the peace that He gives to us. Friends, if you have not experienced that peace, I encourage you this morning, give your life to Christ. And if you have and you've been carrying around those chains with you, lay them down today. Lay them down for good. But if you find yourself picking them up again next week, take them right back to him and lay them back down and say, I'm sorry, I picked them up again. Please take these from me. Do that as many times as you have to do until your hands no longer pick them back up again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us The way to deal with our hearts and and difficult people that may betray us, God. But if we're honest, one of the biggest betrayers in our lives is our own mind. One of the greatest accusers in our life is our own mind. God, even this morning, I pray that those burdens would begin to break of the thoughts that we think about ourselves. And instead, they would be replaced by Scripture and what you say about us as image bearers of you. Children of God, loved and accepted. And we would live in that peace, Lord. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. A couple quick announcements.